the World Cup in Qatar continued to generate surprises as Japan came back to defeat Germany in almost the same way Saudi Arabia upset Argentina one day ago. Moreover, Belgium survived a penalty and 21 shots before edging Canada one to nothing. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back. Hey, so is this the year of Asian football on the rise? Because I don't know anymore. The champions and the runners-up in the World Cup eight years ago both lost to Asian teams. Yeah, it's been a really quite surprising. The difference, I think, is that with Argentina, in fact, no, I think it's almost quite similar in the sense of both teams,、uh, Germany and Argentina, played with like a little bit of、uh, ego、mm-hmm. in this, a little bit of condescension. I, I it seemed more like a case of with Argentina, they just expected to win. With Germany, I can't figure it out because they were playing fine. And then they got their penalty on just past the half hour mark, and from then it's like they started to act as if they were three nil up.、Mm-hmm. Like the ball would, you know, get to the back, Neuer clear it, and it would get like Sula would get it. He'd like pass to Schlotterbeck, who would pass to Kimi, who pass it back to Sula, and then. In the second half, it felt like the first half Japan was slowly just kind of putting up with Germany.、Mm-hmm. In the second half, they were kind of building into it. They were way more physical. They were pushing the pace.、Uh, Ritsu Doan got that pretty great goal in the seventy-fifth minute, and then Germany just didn't hit back. Like I said, it was like as if they were still playing, as if one-one meant they won, as if they got the three points, and. They、uh, brought on、uh, Leon Gretzka instead of Gundogan, Jonas Hoffmann instead of Müller. Nothing changed. I was expecting a bit of urgency from that. Didn't make a difference.、Um, again, towards the end, with like ten minutes left, bring on Mario Götze instead of Jamal Musiala, which is a really strange decision. Right in the ninetieth minute, brought on Yusufa Mukoko, who was supposed to be this next big thing. And still, every time they brought one of these players on, where you're expecting, okay, this is like impetus. This is going to be them pushing forward for a goal. The injury time is ticking down, and they are just passing it in triangles at the back. I didn't understand it at all. And、um, the second goal, which came in the 83rd minute, which kind of made it even more absurd, is the ball goes right over the top. I believe it was Itakura who passed it over to Asano,、mm-hmm. who. Just sprints directly at Neuer. He was played onside by Nicolas Zula from the far side of the pitch. He just runs up and scores. Neuer doesn't go big, doesn't get his hands up. It's like he's trying to chest it away,、mm-hmm. and I can't even explain it because it, with the to go back to what we were saying earlier with the Saudi Arabia game, that wasn't a very good team, but they simply just became physical. Just basically gave it their all, and it was enough for an Argentina side who basically offered nothing. Here, it was Germany seemed solid until they went up, and then just couldn't get into second gear. Whereas Japan, who are I would say every year quite surprising, started off as an average team,、mm-hmm. but quickly seemed to figure out Germany's weaknesses. And by the end, to me, they looked very capable. I don't see them. 
winning anything, but they're very much up there with, say, the Denmarks of the world, who you can see reaching, let's say, quarters, Could maybe be. even if they get it. You know, the, the a friend of mine was saying, I was talking about this to him a few days ago, he said, never write out Japan in the same way that once the Euros never write off Sweden, because for some reason they're both countries with like a footballing legacy, a footballing heritage, but because they're so separate to everyone else, you kind of forget and you get surprised. I think rather than just surprising me and the audience, they surprised Germany with this result. I think they did too. Um, I was reading, I totally agree with you when you say it's something about ego, because Germany, uh, despite the loss, they still have very obvious physical advantage. They are uh, they all outmatch Japan in power, in size. But the second goal, when it passed to Japan's player, Zulu was so slow and so irresponsive. He was like, okay, he got the ball, so what? He was not even chasing him so hard, and he allowed the guy to shoot so easily. Also, yeah. Japan, unlike Saudi Arabia, which were which had no resistance at all in the first half, Japan actually had a goal, which was caught root offside, I remember. So yeah, that, right, yeah. That didn't even alert Germany enough. They were always like, okay, we're, we can control the ball, we can pass the ball maybe into Japan's goal. They didn't. Even when they were trailing, even actually before trailing, even when it was a tie, they, they were, like you said, they were playing the ball so not Germany. Mm. And I remember, because um, four years ago, when Belgium defeated Japan, what they did was, I think, I, I believe that Belgium actually had better skills and maybe the same good passing as Germany, but the way they beat Japan was like, we're stronger than you, we're bigger than you, so all we need to do is we cross, we fly the ball, and then we outsize you in the pain, and that worked. I don't know, somehow just Germany didn't do that, and if they really want to use Mukoko, they should really have given him longer time, because his speed is what is really able to pierce Japan's defensive line, but only if he plays, say, longer than 30 or 40 minutes instead of just being sent to the field in the last 10 or 8 minutes. Yeah, it, yeah, his substitution made absolutely no sense because you are right, he has the speed, he has the pace, he has the hype behind him, mm-hmm. I think, to really make a difference in a game like this where you're 2-0, 2-1 down, you're desperate for an equalizer, maybe even hoping to snatch a result. Bringing him on this time... I didn't get it. I mean, overall, you look at this team and it's Hansi Flick as manager who very famously came into Bayern Munich and basically within a year won everything. Mm -hmm. And this whole style of play that he invented for Bayern was all about high press, about recycling the ball, all about just making sure your opponents never get a chance. Sure, it's very different when you have to use your national side rather than your club side who you can drill it all the time. But you look at that lineup that Germany have, it's basically the Bayern core with like players from uh, Dortmund and uh, I, forget, I forget what else a friend of mine was telling me yesterday, but like Werder Bremen and places like that. Yeah. So you have this, this core that should be able to perform. And even if not, the players who aren't from Bayern still should be able to play to a high level because the Bundesliga is a solid league. Mm-hmm. And instead, I don't know what happened. No pressure, no pace, no 
willed for willed towards the goal. I just couldn't figure it out at all. It's like they brought the bad form from the last World Cup to this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're they're like the one team who hasn't changed at all. And the thing is with how this group is, Japan with this win, their next game is Costa Rica. Mm. They should basically end up going to the third game with six points. Yeah. It's gonna basically come down Germany, I think, getting through out of the group stage to what happens with Spain. Just, and yeah. having seen that, yeah. having seen what happened with Spain yesterday, I don't think I, um, can beat them. Yeah, because that is when, like, with the Spain team, you know, a lot of the talk. I think I've mentioned this a few times. I would love to talk with the Argentina Brazil favoritism. Is a lot of the big European teams seem like they're in decline with Italy not being here, mm-hmm. Germany stumbling at the first, um, Fra- France setting themselves up for France basically setting themselves up for to fall apart like they always do. It's kind of expected this time Injury, around. Spain, yeah, yeah. Spain's issue was that since. This new era started under Luis Enrique. It's been a team where it's basically 10 midfielders and no goals. Mm -hmm. So the question was always going to be, okay, they're going to play against Costa Rica, Germany, Japan, whatever. They're going to dominate possession. But it might end up just being a stolen 1-1, stolen 1-0, something very simple like that. Mm -hmm. With this, where it was six goals, basically the first ones all came 10 minutes apart from each other. And then in the second half, it was just like they were scoring for fun. And you look at the scorers, Danny Olmo, Farron Torres, Gavi, Marco Asensio, Carlos Soler, Alvaro Morata. I believe each one was like with the England game where it was their first World Cup goals. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's a very similar situation actually to the English game because Costa Rica aren't much in terms of opponent. Mm. But the way these goals were free-flowing, the way they dominated the game, I believe overall Spain had over a 1,000 passes in 90 minutes. Mm. This Spain team has suddenly shot up in my reckoning from being, yeah, sure, they have a lot of talent, but there's not much killer instinct, to being, oh, they have all this talent, and Luis Enrique has finally got it, firing off four cylinders, finally put everything together. These to, That performance, to me... We'll have to see what they can do against someone like Japan. But to me, that felt like a World Cup winning performance, mainly because all these different goal scorers felt like part of a team. And where you can have a team in a tournament like this rather than star players versus star players playing against good players, you know, this felt very cohesive, felt very solid, and it feels very threatening for the rest of the teams right now, I think. That's true. And, um, you know, when you, before this World Cup began, when we were talking about uh, Spain, we were we both agreed that they have, like, 10 midfielders, and so maybe they lack the ability for the final move to score. But after watching how Germany and Spain play now, I think Spain has... I, w- I don't want to call it a new tiki-taka, but their ball still moves <laughs> so smoothly, but when it has to be... There has to be a change of pace... They're, they have someone to do it. They have Gavi, they have Buskas, even they have Torres. They could all do it. And then they have their finisher. Maybe not as productive and efficient as Lewandowski in Bundesliga, but they have someone who could actually score it with very simple but working moves. 
unlike Spain, Germany, they they did actually have several chances, but they always have to make say one more dribble or one more、mm. dodging, and then the opportunity was blown. So this is really like watching Spain and Germany playing in similar styles, but Spain nailed it. Spain know how to use it, while Germany just didn't. Yeah, like drawing a direct comparison, this Spain side reminded me a bit of、uh, when Yupankas was in charge of Bayern. Yeah, because he kind of implemented the style, which was like basically countering Tiki Taka with Tiki Taka, but the difference was it was Tiki Taka with constant forward momentum,、mm-hmm. and that's what you saw with the Spain side because they were, like I say, thousand passes, death by thousand cuts. However, each one of those. You know, I'd be willing to bet the vast majority were pushing forward, pushing into the Costa Rica line, creating space so someone like Gavi could run in from the midfield. It was a really like smart performance. And you're right. Go, quickly going back to Germany, the amount of extra touches they were making in the box, I couldn't figure that out at all. Because yes, we can say Germany played with ego, but in previous tournaments, that's been confidence. They'll get the ball, they'll get to where, where it needs to go, and they'll get a finish. Whereas that time it was like everyone is always taking an extra touch, an extra movement, something like that. Very different to what we saw in Spain, where we're used to seeing them.、Mm-hmm. We're used to seeing them kind of trying to paint a picture and get into the perfect position for the perfect pass for the perfect goal. Instead, this was using this tiki taka style passing movement to grind down your opponent and then just blast it in as soon as you get the chance. And like I say, I think that is. That makes them, to me, based on just on performance of every game I've seen so far, that makes them the clear and away favorites to me. That's true. And in the other group, we、uh, witnessed the third nothing scored game between Croatia and、mm-hmm. Morocco. That was in the favor of Belgium, though Belgium's win over Canada was so difficult. Because if you don't watch the、yeah. score, you will see, wow, Canada were so dominant. Twenty-one goals and one penalty, though they didn't score it. Yeah, the across both of those games, it felt to me like we were watching the decline of two different golden generations.、Mm-hmm. But particularly sad for Croatia because they got to a final. Perhaps even worse for Belgium because they never. But you are looking at like that first nil nil. There's very little to say because of just how tired everyone looked already,、mm-hmm. how kind of little there was to it. But you look at that team, and it's the same. And it, across both, it's the same players. It's still Luka Modric, still Ivan Perisic, still Kamaric. Go across to、uh, Belgium, still Jan Vertonghen, still Kevin De Bruyne, still Aiden Hazard. It's the it's the exact teams. Only they are now on their mid thirties, late thirties. And they looked like they were playing the exact same ways they has have done before,、mm-hmm. but a step slower, a little bit less energy, easier to be figured out. With、uh, Morocco, besides for Hakim Ziyech and Boufal, I don't really know much of that team, but they still managed to make sure Croatia couldn't do anything pretty easily. With the Belgium team, you could see that they still have a lot of talent. The The way they moved the ball very quickly down to Canada's goal、mm-hmm. was absolutely fantastic. Like De Bruyne's touch is—you see it every week with Manchester City. He does a fantastic here. Aiden Hazard is not the player he once was at all, but you can still see why 
People think he can come back. But then on the other side of things, Canada were just constant go, 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 energy. You know, you hear a lot about this Alfonso Davies because he plays for well, Bayern Munich. Yeah. He lived he lived up to his billing here. And it was just a real unfortunate case of they had all these shots, had all this had all this um, attacking prowess, just couldn't get on the end of it. Partially because Thibaut Courtois is back in the ascendancy. There's a story where basically he himself admitted to just kind of being comfortable, fine, playing to the level he was. That he read in like Goal magazine or something that he wasn't listed among like the 10 best keepers of the past decade. So he just got back into training, stopped being complacent. And now he's back to being absolutely world-class. I feel like Alfonso Davies' penalty, there's a bit too much pressure. It took a bit too much time and that's it. But the remainder of what Courtois did was absolutely fantastic. Uh, particularly facing off uh, Jonathan David and uh, Tejan Buchanan, who were the basically two of the three front line. Davies played a little bit behind Hoylett, so he was kind of playing in and crossing towards David, David and Buchanan. But they were very exciting to watch. And this was one of those games where, like, yes, the talent and the veteran knowledge of Belgium carried them through. But the youth and the verve and just the will to win from Canada makes me want to see more of Canada. And I don't know if they can get anything from the remainder of the games. They should be able to, you know, very much walk through Morocco. But I do think that this Canada side, it's almost like a taste of what we'll see from them at home in four years' time. Mm. You know, I'm. You, you hear about these small teams like your Saudi Arabias who are, like, just kind of, they get in on coefficients. They get in because the Asian uh, Football Association isn't that strong, whatever. This Canada side, they're playing like they really earned it. They really deserve to be here. And I hope this is the start of a consistent set of appearances for them because they were so much fun to watch. And it's a real shame they couldn't get something from this game. That's true. I mean, despite the loss, I think uh, what Canada did was they were sending a message to Croatia, who they will play in the last <laughs> game, that, okay, you struggle so much against Morocco, who are not as fast as Canada, I want to say, and not as, not as aggressive as Canada. So... If Canada say they beat Morocco, they meet Croatia, I will bet on Canada to win and actually make it out of this group with Belgium. And I will not yeah. bet on Croatia. And, and let's not forget that this Belgian side was ranked number one in the world for a very long time, until very recently when they became number two. Canada haven't been in an international tournament of any major stature since 1986. Yeah, It's fair enough that Canada didn't get anything from it, but the fact they came so close is almost like a moral victory. And you are completely right. It isn't just uh, Morocco, it is Croatia as well, who have to be worried now of being completely overrun, completely flooded. And honestly, I would not be shocked if we did end up final day of the tournament with Canada on six points, based on what I saw against this Belgium side. Yeah, that's true. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from guys very soon tomorrow. See ya. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.